Welcome back. You are listening to Nate the Hate on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcast. Today's episode is dedicated to the Zelda Sensei, whom has generously donated a hundred dollars to the channel to support us, and we greatly appreciate your generosity and support. Once again, today's episode is dedicated to the Zelda Sensei, and if you would like to support the channel, we have a Streamlabs link in the description below. A donation of a hundred dollars or more will get you an episode dedication. Or you can donate any dollar amount, ask a question, we will answer it at the end of the episode. And I'd like to welcome in my co-host, Modern Vintage Gamer. What's going on, Nate? Great to be here. I know we've been off again for the last few weeks, but uh, I want to <laughs> let the listeners know that um, we, we're not going away. We haven't, we haven't, you know, not recorded because for any other reason other than there really hasn't been much news. Now, I know that's a little strange to say, but we like to report on on real topics, you know, and uh, obviously E3 is coming up. So expect a lot more Nate the Hate over the next few weeks. Yes, a lot is coming up in the coming weeks with E3 just around the corner. And some companies have begun to share some news ahead of E3 this week alone. We had a new look at Sony's upcoming exclusive Horizon Forbidden West. We also had the Dragon Quest presentation, and I was very excited to see Dragon Quest 3 remake using the 2D HD engine similar to Octopath. Mm -hmm. And we also had the rumors of the brand new Final Fantasy game, which we had discussed on the Spawncast last weekend. And if people go back to it, you'll notice I gave a hint in regards to the branding of the demo when you asked me a series of questions about the game. You had asked me if there would be a new, uh, what franchise was it? Um, E-Hander, I think. Einhander. Einhander. <laughs> and I said, yes, it's called Einhander, Stranger in Paradise. And if you looked at the reports that came out this week, the name of the demo for this new Final Fantasy game, Final Fantasy Origin, is Stranger in Paradise. So I gave a nice little tease there, but I knew it was a tease <laughs> that people wouldn't get until after the fact. But... Nice little reference drop there. And, you know, that's how sometimes you have fun with that. And, you know, it's those type of news topics that have happened, but we really don't get a lot of information from those events. So it's tough for us to deep dive those matters. And since we're not a traditional news show of, you know, just going over a variety of small topics, we wait until something bigger happens. And this week we had two big events happen, both relating to Nintendo and it started on Wednesday night when Bloomberg came out with an article suggesting that the Nintendo Switch Pro, a or the revision, a product that we have discussed now several times, is going to launch far sooner than really anyone was anticipating, including myself. They report that the new Nintendo Switch will be released in September or October. Now, this isn't really a clear cut or specific window this definitely isn't a narrow window this is still a 60-day swing but it appears it will launch ahead of the holidays and it will be you know joined with the switch light and the current switch and the reason for this announcement to take place well or the announcement for this product is to take place in the immediate future and as bloomberg reports and i believe Eurogamer had also corroborated is that one of the reasons that this is 
taking place now is that there are a select few developers who want to showcase some Switch Pro games at E3. And this is information that I have since been able to corroborate on my own. And though I don't know the exact day of the Switch Pro reveal, I do know that it will take place ahead of E3, which means we have, as of recording, a two-week window. So anytime between the end of May and June 10th, the Switch Pro will be announced. Now, as to the nature of the announcement, it could happen in a number of ways. It could be as simple as a Twitter drop with a 90-second trailer that simply showcases the Switch Pro model itself, maybe a bullet point list of some of the new features, and you know nothing else. They may not give a price point at this time. They may not even give us a release date at this time. It may just be a very general overview for the product itself, but an announcement is coming. And what I have heard, and as these other outlets have also reported, we will see some form of Switch Pro enhanced games at E3. Now, you may be wondering, what does that mean for Nintendo's E3? This doesn't necessarily mean it has to be at Nintendo's Direct. It could take place at a third-party showing, be it, you know, just as examples of companies, Ubisoft, Square Enix. If they have Pro enhanced games that they want to show, they may host them at their own event. And we may see them there. It could be at Nintendo's Direct, but we will see Pro Enhanced games. And the games I specifically know about, and I want to emphasize this, is these titles are not Switch exclusive or Switch Pro exclusive. They will also be launching on the standard Switch and the Switch Lite. So, you know, it could be, I would set expectation to a reasonable level. They, it will look better on the Pro. It should definitely be a visual showcase, but it will still be a product you can buy on your current Switch. So there's no reason to panic and say, oh, look, Nintendo's already making the Switch I just bought obsolete. That's not happening. There may be Switch Pro exclusives at E3. I have not heard this myself, but it's definitely within the realm of real, you know, realistic. It depends on how publishers want to approach it right now. And with it launching this year, if there's any third-party titles that are going to take advantage of this hardware, you would imagine they want to get announcements out at E3. This is when all the attention is going to be on the system and all these announcements. But that is a conversation for another day. That's That'll be once it's actually officially confirmed. Right now, all we have is a Bloomberg article stating intent and a secondary article from Vandal which cites a Chinese manufacturer that goes over a number of topics regarding it. But right now, let's focus on the Bloomberg article. And MVG, what did you make of this news? Ooh, well, I, I want to I say um, I really liked um, everything you just said. Like you were very concise about the information and, you know, what we can expect at E3. Um, there's a lot of... A lot of moving parts there and, you know, hopefully it'll all start to fall into place next week. Now, what did I think about the Bloomberg article? I mean, look, this is something that we've known about for a long time. Bloomberg has reported on this. The 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 newest article that we just got 
um, you know, mid, mid last week, wasn't really anything new as far as information other than the the dates around it. That essentially we were we're imminently going to be told of the new hardware, and we'll start to see some Switch Pro games at E3. And I think that was the part that really surprised me more than anything because I just felt like, you know, this is something that is a lot further out than, than you know, right now, basically. And that, honestly, Nate, that's kind of thrown me for a bit of a, of a loop because this is the part where I, I put my developer hat on and I have a lot of questions about all this. Now, I want to be very clear, and I made a video on this, and I was very clear in the video as well. But if you haven't seen the video, I'm gonna I'm gonna let let the listeners know here that I think I I do believe everything that's that's happening here. This is definitely a where there's smoke, there's fire. And look, there's been smoke bellowing for months now. So this is not something that's just you know been fabricated or or the information is inaccurate. Where the sources that Bloomberg has, they have to be, you know, airtight sources. And I think they they have some some good insiders there that, that are basically helping them out with this info. But this is where I have a problem with all this. And I'm not suggesting that none of this is going to happen. But there's a part of this that just feels off to me. And I don't know how I could, you know, I, I can't put my finger on it. And, and what I mean by this is on the development side, I've spoken to at least 10 developers. I don't want to I don't I don't want to mention who they work for, what companies, but everyone from small indies to AAA companies about the Nintendo Switch Pro. And I've come up with absolutely nothing. Like no one is aware of this of this hardware. And you're mentioning, you know, there's going to be um a showcase of some games being shown at E3. And look, most likely Nintendo is controlling this so there's no leaks. And I look, if I was Nintendo, I would, I would be doing the same thing. I think the, the, the companies that are making Switch Pro games are under very, very airtight NDA right now. And it's a, a very controlled environment that they're working with, you know, the hardware. But I also find it very bemusing that we don't have any information about the Switch Pro. Like developers have no idea what the hardware is. And I can I can tell you that. And I've asked around and and this is not one of those situations where people are telling me, you know, I'm under NDA, I can't really say. This is a I don't know anything about this. And that's the part that I I just I it doesn't sit right with me with all this. Now, going back to the Bloomberg thing. Yes, I do think we'll see something at E3. I do think there will be an announcement, but I know we're going to talk about you know the the release date and stuff like that, and I just have a problem with that side of it because right now to me this doesn't feel like it's real. And um, yes, it is, but there's just a part of me, Nate, that just is not sitting well with me. And, um, you know, what do you think about it? Because, look, I'm just going into this from from my aspect. Obviously, Bloomberg has, you know, their sources and their sources are really good. There's obviously stuff on the manufacturing side that I have zero knowledge of. And I think that's probably where their focus is. 
So mm -hmm. I just, but the, the, the part that I, I struggle with is somewhere in the middle, there's, there's this X variable that we don't know about that kind of connects the two. And that's where I'm, I'm a little confused on, but what do you think about, you know, you know, the, the development side of this? And do you think that's, a, is that a surprise to you that, you know, 97% of devs out there have no, <laughs> no knowledge of this hardware at this time? Or do you think it's kind of normal Nintendo business and, and, you know, we, we shouldn't be asking questions about? Unfortunately, I believe it is the case of the latter. Mm -hmm. Nintendo is notorious for being stingy when it comes to hardware, especially dev kit send outs ahead of any official announcement. We know that they have a very particular group of developers that they have, they prioritize. These are the, you know, the big third party companies that can promise an exclusive release for their hardware or, you know, just a brand new game that is of a prestigious franchise caliber and i believe that is what we're seeing here so with that said real quick mm -hmm. if that's true and i have no reason to doubt what you're saying when would these games actually come out because we know we know that games take a long time to make so are we yes. saying that we're going to see these games launch with the system later this year or is this something that is beyond the beyond that time the the specific projects that I am aware of, so I can only make reference to the games that I have knowledge of, these titles are not launch titles for the Switch Pro if and when it does launch in September and October. These are games that will be coming out several months after. So this could be a case, and I want to emphasize this is probably the worst case scenario, is that the Switch Pro could potentially come to market later this year in September or, or October and have no major third-party launch game that utilizes all of its features. We will see games immediately take advantage of the new hardware in the sense of this is more powerful hardware. So now a title like Doom that has a dynamic resolution and it doesn't require a patch, may instantly be 720p in handheld mode, may instantly be 1080p while docked, and may have a smooth 30 frames a second, all requiring no patchwork. Those types of enhancements we will see. Now, Nintendo may have been able to coordinate with other developers and third-party partners to say, hey, you guys, can you think you can get a, a quick patch out for your game because you don't have dynamic resolution and we'll use let's use a title like the xenoblade chronicles 2 as an example for yep. that game to get a resolution boost it would require a patch right and mochi did say i'm just looking uh back in september of last year uh, according to bloomberg they said you know nintendo is telling developers to make their games 4k ready mm -hmm. so i mean yeah, that that does align with with what you're saying. Um, I just, yeah, the the development side is just a little interesting to me. Um, you know, because I would have thought at least someone um that I have talked to would know something, and I've come up, you know, zero out of ten on this, and that's that's where <laughs> I, I just feel like 
whatever whatever they're going to show us, um, a I don't feel like is anywhere close to to ready. I don't feel like whatever dev kits they're running on is probably alpha prototype. Like it's it's basically mm-hmm. a breadboard with a bunch of components put on it. Like it's hard <laughs> for me to imagine there's even a dev kit for this thing right now. Like when I say that, I mean, sure, of course there's dev kits for it, but what I'm saying is there's no, you know, it's nowhere near final dev kits because these, mm-hmm. and that's the other part I, I want to mention is as far as just as a regular Nintendo developer, these dev kits don't exist. So there's no way you can, you can get a dev kit for, for this new hardware at this time. Now, that may change very quickly over the next few weeks. And I think once Nintendo officially does announce this hardware, then I think they'll open that up to developers, right? I think that's definitely yes. going to happen. Um, but it's right now, it just, the timing of this just feels so, it almost feels too good to be true, you know, for me that <laughs> literally 11 days from now, you know, um, we're going to, we're going to be fed this new information about, about brand new switch hardware and like i said most devs out there know nothing about it you know yeah and you bring up a good point some conversations i've had and this goes back well over a month now is that the expectation of a rollout for dev kits was that they would see an uptick in the month of june now at the time of hearing that it was just well you know it's june now maybe they're just letting more into the program and they're going to begin a bigger wave of dev kit send out so that they yeah. can have more software being prepared for the launch window, which at the time I was still under the impression based on information that was being relayed to me was looking like early 2022. So I didn't really give it that much thought. In retrospect, after seeing the Bloomberg report, it makes more sense now because if you're officially unveiling this in the first you know two weeks of june maybe sooner what you're doing is you're saying well now that it's official it's out there yeah we're not going to be that too concerned about leaks anymore let's get the dev kits in the hands of as many as we can so we're going to open up the floodgates and get those kits out and that's you know i think that makes a lot of sense logistically the leaks, are, there's nothing to leak. Right. It, it, the concern's done. So now you're going to open that up to as many developers, uh, you know, as have interest. And you're going to have some developers showcase their games at E3. That's going to spark interest in the unit. And you're going to have a lot of new interest in this platform from developers who are going to see these presentations and say, like, wow, look at that game. Look what they did with these new features. We're interested Maybe we can bring over our new project that we couldn't have brought over to the base switch. Will you allow us to make it a Switch Pro exclusive? Now, these are going to be conversations that Nintendo is going to have with third-party partners. Yeah. So the timing makes sense in a retrospect right. when you see something like this happen. But at the time and in the moment, it's just, well, yeah, that's a natural progression of dev kit sendouts. You start small, and then over time, as more become available and you start finalizing the silicon you begin to send out more and more kits to more and more partners because you want more and more games being developed on your platform. We'll be back after a quick break. 
Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomised genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that all has to be an action adventure. Yes. Oh dear. Yes. And sometimes it doesn't quite work. And you have, you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative. A construction off. The <laughs> way the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely. Entirely. Check out the Gaming Blender on all your favorite podcast platforms now. I think the other part that I'm not sure about, and maybe you know more about this as far as what you've heard, is is there a stipulation, kind of like with the Xbox um, Series X and S, that anything that runs on the next revision switch must run on the base switch? Or can you have a exclusive switch? Well, I'll say Switch Pro. Can you Can you have an exclusive Switch Pro game? You can have a switch pro exclusive game okay that is something that we will see i would suspect it's going to be very few in numbers overall at least in the initial couple of years and you know it's impossible to gauge what two years from now will bring in terms of like third-party releases but yes we will see some switch pro exclusives happen i'm not anticipating that we see any of those at e3 we could i'm not aware of any the only Switch Pro demonstrations I am aware of for E3 will be Switch Pro, Switch, and Switch Lite projects. Yep. But one aspect that I found curious in the Bloomberg article, and it's something I really haven't seen many discuss, is that aside from saying it will be released in September or October, they also mention in a later paragraph that peak production isn't expected to ramp up until the October or December quarter, which for Nintendo is Q3. And it's curious to me because I feel like you would have wanted to ramp up production in Q2 in anticipation of your potential late Q2, early Q3 launch, not after launch. Yeah. The timing is interesting, right? Because, yeah, I mean, I think you you would think once they announce this, then they would be ramping up, you know, the production pretty much immediately in anticipation for this thing. So I wonder if, I mean, it's hard to really say how this is going to go, but are they saying they're going to sell their initial lot of, and I'll just, I'm going to throw this number out because I have no idea, of 1 million units that they already have kind of ready to go um while they're selling those then basically ramping up production of of the the new hardware because that sounds like another Wii scenario where they're going to sell out almost immediately um and it's going to be a shortage just like what we're seeing with the ps5 and the wii and and you know and, and all those systems um that have been so hard to find like it seems very strange to me, but it also maybe it's their way of trying to mitigate the the chip shortages that have been going on. You know, they're, they're, they're basically, that's their kind of solution for this. But I guess the other thing to think about, Nate, is, you know, 
Breath of the Wild 2 and, and big Nintendo games, right, that, that we know are coming. We just don't know when at this point. Are they ramping up at Q3 so they can essentially get as many units out when Breath of the Wild 2, you know, launches next year? And I'm, I'm guessing it's next year. Um, but that's what I would probably be doing if I was Nintendo as well. But what do you, what's your takeaway from from the the ramp up? Yeah, if you're ramping up in Q3, it's typically because you want to have ample stock for the end of Q3, which would be December. So you want to have in time for the holidays and that you want to make sure you have plentiful stock for Q4, which is typically a slightly slower time traditionally for video game hardware sales. Though 2021 is proving to be the exception to that rule, I believe in just Q1 and Q2 or thus far into Q2, Nintendo is selling over 5 million units just in the US alone. And that is an exceptional sales performance. So now if you do come with a Breath of the Wild 2 in early 2022, you're going to want as much hardware as possible. And what hardware do you want to have right alongside Breath of the Wild 2? The Switch Pro. And I'm glad you bring that up because there was a rumor from, I believe the outlet that reported it, was Vandal, where they cite a Chinese accessories manufacturer. And one of the points they bring up is there's the potential, I want to emphasize potential, that the Switch Pro would not arrive in Europe until the end of November, potentially even later in other regions. And that it could be with a very limited stock. Now, people might be wondering, like, why is why is that a big deal? This would be the first non-worldwide launch of hardware for Nintendo that we've seen in quite some time. The Switch launched worldwide. If you're doing a staggered release with this revision, then I would say the odds drop. Maybe not substantially, but at least meaningfully, that you're not launching Breath of the Wild 2 in September with the Switch Pro if you can't guarantee you're launching in every region with the Switch Pro. If you want to have Breath of the Wild 2 as a standout Switch Pro software release, you may now have to wait until all regions have access to this hardware. Because if you launch this in September, and let's just say for the sake of argument, that the Switch Pro only launches in September in Japan and Breath of the Wild 2 is a launch title. And then Nintendo details that, oh, the Switch Pro is launching in second half of October for North America. And then we're going to launch the second half of November in Europe. You might say as the consumer, well, I'm not going to buy Breath of, I'm not going to buy Breath of the Wild 2 in September. I'm going to wait until I get myself a Switch Pro and I'll buy the game then. Yeah. Now, yes, you could buy the game, you could play it on your current Switch, or you could just buy the game and wait two months, depending on the region. But if you're Nintendo, I'd want to make sure I have these systems in every region, then launch my big game. And you don't, I mean, do they have to? No, you have an 80 million base with the Switch. There's a lot of hungry gamers with the current Switch that want to play Breath of the Wild. But then there's us. (laughs) <laughs> the fools, yeah. the early adopters, the enthusiasts. We want to play Breath of the Wild 2 at its best. Yeah. 
So let me ask you a question, Nate. Um, and you probably don't know the answer to this, but I want you to think about it a little <laughs> bit. So, okay. So Bloomberg is saying that at least September, right? They're not saying it's going to be September, but they're saying at least September. Why would Nintendo release a new revision of the Switch hardware this year when they're ramping up production in Q3 and you you just said previously that the sh- the games they're going to show us at E3 probably aren't going to come out this year. Why would they why would they commit to dropping hardware without really any games alongside of it? See, that's that is my only hesitation in having full confidence that Breath of the Wild 2 is 2022 is that it seems as though if you are bringing this in September or October, you have to have a game that's going to launch alongside it, that's going to take advantage of the system in some meaningful capacity. Now, a 2D Metroid is not going to be that title. It can be the best Metroid game ever made. But are you really that excited to see Metroid in 4K achieved with DLSS? No. You need a bigger game than Metroid. And that's not disrespect to Metroid. It's just the unfortunate reality of the power that the Metroid brand holds. Now, Breath of the Wild has that. Yeah, I mean, maybe we're not thinking about this the right way. Maybe maybe the way we should be thinking about this is any Switch game that you put into this new hardware will will automatically look better. You know what I mean? Yes. So you're you're all, you're already getting a better visual fidelity, uh, mm-hmm. and possibly Nintendo themselves could be preparing patches to update games that run on this hardware that take advantage of DLSS. Mm-hmm. I mean that that's yes. certainly possible, but I just I do wonder, you know, if there's no exclusive, we'll say pro games, or if there's no pro games that are coming until next year. That sounds like a bit of a risk for me. I mean, sure, you and I yes. and and a million other diehard Nintendo fans are going to get it. <laughs> but, um, you know, Joe Average and his family that wants a Switch this holiday, they're not going to care about this stuff. They're, just, they're going to buy a light or mm-hmm. a, just a base model. Yeah, and you bring up the good point is Nintendo could potentially look at this launch and say, we added DLSS to Breath of the Wild 1 to Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. And that would probably be a fairly exciting patch for folks like us to say, let's download. I want to see Mario Kart 8 at you know 4K. And that could be enough. But every time Nintendo has launched a revision, they typically do have a big release of some kind to coincide with it. And we can look back to the new 3DS. We had Majora's Mask and a Monster Hunter game. You can look at the Switch Lite. It had... Zelda, Link's Awakening, Dragon Quest XI. So there has to be something with this. And since it is September, and let's continue the theme of Zelda. Mm -hmm. The expectation in the minds of everyone is Breath of the Wild 2. What if it's Wind Waker and Twilight Princess in 4K? Right. Good well. What if it's it's Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask in 4K? Yep. Like, it can be a number of other projects. It doesn't have to be Breath of the Wild 2. It could be. 
I have a hard time believing in Breath of the Wild 2 for a September or, or an October launch, because if we entertain this idea of a staggered release for different regions, it just sounds logistically confusing. And I don't think if I'm Nintendo, that's not how I would approach this. But what if you just say, hey, we want Breath of the Wild out there. We know it's going to sell well. So we're not that concerned about it. But also, we have not heard or seen Breath of the Wild 2 since E3 2019. In February, Nintendo apologized for not having Breath of the Wild 2 to show in the first Direct of the year. Would you apologize for not being able to show you a game in February if your intent was to launch it in September? Yeah, um, that's a good point. Why, why wouldn't you just say coming September 2021, right? I mean, I think, I mean, sure, that's a bit of a wait, but it's not really a stretch, is it? I mean, you know, I think that would I be... Wouldn't, I wouldn't apologize yeah. for seven months. I wouldn't apologize for seven months either. <laughs> I would apologize now, for 18 months, which is what I think it's going to, you know, what, what it was going to take. I mean, we will more than likely see i can't confirm it i don't have 100 percent confirmation of it but odds favor we will see breath of the wild 2 at e3 oh we have to i mean we have to yeah see I, I feel as though we have to yeah. and if we do see breath of the wild 2 at e3 i just don't see how nintendo would be able to say here's breath of the wild 2 in june it's coming out in september a three-month marking you know marketing cycle whereas we just seen february to july a five-month marketing cycle for Skyward Sword? I don't see how Breath of the Wild 2 would have a shorter marketing window than Skyward Sword. So that's those are the bits to me that say Breath of the Wild 2 is not a September release. I'm not saying it cannot. It cannot happen. It could happen. It just feels as though there's enough pieces to this puzzle to suggest it's not. It's not happening. Come on, mate. There's no way Breath of, Breath of the Wild 2 is coming out this year. We, you come in with the affirmation, no. <laughs> I mean, we talked about this like at the last episode. We said it's either going to be Arceus, this fiscal, or it's going to be Breath of the Wild. Arceus is already a lock for January. Yes. I think, I think Breath of the Wild gets bumped. Do you think Breath of the Wild finishes the fiscal year in March? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that kind of fits for me. And I think that feels a lot better as well, right? So I think the timing around that makes sense to me. This year, I feel like, you know, Pokemon is going to be the holiday games at the end of the year and whatever else they decide to show us. You know, maybe the 2D Metroid um, game that huh? that hopefully we'll, we'll see at E3 um, and any <laughs> other surprises that Nintendo gives us for this year. And you know there's going to be at least a couple, especially around um, Zelda-specific stuff. And, you know, your mention of Arceus kind of got me thinking, as we mentioned earlier, with the Q3 production ramp up. That game's coming out in January. You're going to want a lot of hardware for that and pure speculation. Yep. But when they announced Arceus release date, they didn't give us a new trailer. They didn't give us any new footage. That's correct. And it's curious. It is curious. I kind of wonder now is, did we not see any new footage of Arceus because they are holding it and they want to show it on the Switch Pro? So we see the best visual fidelity, the best frame rate performance, 
maybe it has DLSS functionality, maybe it doesn't. I mean, that's one thing people do have to keep in mind. Not every game is going to have DLSS, but it's going to get this, that boosted performance just from being on the pro. And due to the way it was received several months ago, where people are like, frame rate looks terrible. Look at how weird the frame, um, like the stutter is on that Pokemon in the distance. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, hey, we have better hardware coming out. Let's show it on that next time we have a demonstration. Let's get people excited. We're launching in early 2022, and it's going to be fully ready for the Switch Pro. Yes. I still feel, as ter- in terms of software, and it's on Nintendo to prove me wrong, if Breath of the Wild 2 is March 2022, Arceus is January, the other projects I know about are early 2022. One was supposed to be 2021. It has since slipped into 2022. It's something like maybe in terms of software that's going to take advantage of this hardware in a meaningful way. The actual launch, I would say, is still 2022. Yes, the product is launching this year in terms of hardware. But if we're not getting software that actually takes advantage of it until early next year, that's the true launch of the hardware. 2021 is just to get, let's get that production yield going. Let's see the flow we can get from our supply chains. And let's introduce the hardware. Because as Bloomberg reports, they want to come in at a higher price than $299. This has been something we have speculated about numerous times while discussing this topic. And for Bloomberg to just come out and say, we're expecting a higher price, but also to see the Switch Pro phase out the current Switch, what price point do you think Nintendo is going to come in and slap on this thing? Well, see, that this is the part that I wanted to talk about as well, because this is another part of this report that I have questions about. So I think if they're going to come in higher than $299, it has to be $349.99. Like if they go to $399, you're already sitting right next to the PlayStation 5, you know, the digital model. And I think, you know, for three ninety nine, mm-hmm. you're really I mean, no, I'm not saying you're pricing yourself out of the market, but it has to come with a lot of really cool new features for three ninety nine. So I, yes. I think I think it's gonna be a three forty nine ninety nine system. But you just said, you know, that the report said they intend to phase out the current base model. So all mm-hmm. of a sudden and look, it may take 18 months. It may take two years for that for that that phase-out process to, to happen. Yes. But all of a sudden, now you're left with a gap where you could spend $299 and get a Switch and have a, an amazing experience as 80 million-plus users have can attest to. <laughs> but now you have to spend an extra $50, maybe $100, to get mm-hmm. a dockable Switch in your living room, how does that make you know? How do you feel about that? Because that also makes me that also gives me pause. That Nintendo would just say, you know what, we're going to phase out the current model, and unfortunately, if you want a switch that you can dock on your 4K television, then you're going to have to pay an extra fifty dollars on top of the price that we previously charged you for it. I mean, if I'm Nintendo. I agree that I would want to phase out the existing Switch hybrid. Let's say it takes a year. I introduce the Switch Pro. I'll come in at 350. 
over yeah. the 12 months, I'm going to sell these side by side. I'm going to sell it as a, a family of three, light hybrid pro. At the end of the 12 months, I'm going to give the pro a $50 price drop and fully replace the hybrid at $299. That's how I would approach it. Mm -hmm. Because this way, you at least disguised it in those first 12 months of we have our introductory model, the Switch Lite. We then have our base model, hybrid, and we have our premium. But the second you phase out that base model, if you're going to have that gap of $150 between a light and the pro, that's a, that's a significant leap. And it also means you're not going to be price dropping the Switch Lite anytime soon. You have to keep it at $199. I would, I would go about it as have the family of three for 12 months, price drop at $50 down to the $299, phase out the current Switch Hybrid altogether, and get back to these nice numbers yeah. of 199 and 299 moving forward they found success at these prices now i mean this is obviously operating under the idea of we don't know the cost of build for the switch pro we don't know where they have to come in to break even we don't know what their line of thinking is as to what month they want to break even they might be launching out of profit so you know it's tough to gauge right now on a hypothetical you know mm -hmm. so that's how I would approach it if I were in business. Do you think the system's coming out in September? September isn't unprecedented for Nintendo. We This is when we saw the light and the red box switch. Yep. Came out in the middle of September. Do I think it's getting a worldwide launch in September? No. So if, if it, it does, very, very limited stock allocations for each region. Do you think that's going to work against nintendo if they can't do a worldwide launch and they have to stagger it um between mm -hmm. regions because i mean that's not something nintendo's done and you know that concept of different different launch windows per region i mean that's something that goes back quite quite a few generations now you know xbox yeah. and sony haven't done that for a long time yeah it's an it's an antiquated practice and you know, when we were younger, if like when the DS Lite came out in Japan, I didn't really think much of it because it was young and one, it was also region locked. No, that was region free. DS was region free. Mm -hmm. But it was kind of like we didn't have access to that type of information when we were younger. If Japan had a variant, we didn't know about it. We would we'd have to wait to read about it in EGM. Right. And by then it was coming to the North American market anyways. But now in this, we are a one world society when it comes to technology. If a region has something, I can go online, I can import it, but you know about it immediately. A staggered launch of Japan, then maybe North America and then Europe over a span of, let's say, three to six months, that can be avoided today. And if the way to avoid it is for Nintendo to begin production in July, as Bloomberg reports, and to stockpile this until November to avoid these potential staggered releases, I would prefer that method over we're launching in Japan in September, we're launching in North America in November, we're launching in Europe in January, we're launching in Australia in 2025 because we <laughs> forgot that it was a continent. <laughs> That's how I would want to approach. I, I would want a worldwide launch if it is feasible. 
now with the semiconductor and the component shortage, maybe that's not viable. But stockpile if you have to. I just don't see them making a worldwide launch in September. If they do, it's going to be such a limited amount of stock that we're probably going to be looking at a repeat of what we're seeing with the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox. And yes, the Switch Pro is going to face a situation similar where demand is going to outpace supply. But if the supply is going to be so limited... Yep. Maybe that can work in Nintendo's favor, and it's in a very cynical way. You want to switch this holiday. You were hoping to get a Pro. Well, there is no Pro. The only Switch on the shelf is the 299 model. You're going to say, I want to switch. I'm going to to compromise. Yeah. At least I have this as an option. With the PlayStation 5 and the Series X, you really don't have any other choice. It's... I want a PS5. I want the new Xbox. If there's no stock, there's no stock. You're not buying a PS4. You're not buying an Xbox One. It's There's nothing there. Nintendo still has two other models to cater to you. Mm-hmm. So they can still get a sale one way or the other. But it feels like a very tight window in terms of manufacturing, especially with them saying production is July. Typically, what we see from these type of systems, and we can look back at the Switch Lite as an example, the Switch Lite shell leaked in april which is when it began manufacturing that was a system that launched in september so even if we just want to say april to september five months of manufacturing to make that launch july to september yeah a lot less time which means you're gonna have a lot less stock available come that launch window are you surprised we haven't seen a leak of the um the shell yet or the dock or anything that that we've been told is is new if it truly is on its way to manufacturing it it would be surprising but i guess if you know bloomberg is correct and the production isn't till july we probably won't see a meaningful leak until maybe the end of june early july once they really get into manufacturing but i mean all this combined when you snowball all this it just really makes you kind of look at September and say, is this really doable? You know, in the sense of having sufficient stock, like you could ship 200,000 units to Japan in September and say, we launched. You're right, you did. But come on, that's a soft launch at the end of the day. It's Yeah, it it is. I mean, look, Nintendo, you know, they could also have looked at, at the launches of the um, the Xbox and the PS5. They probably didn't. But, I mean, if you look at last year, the launches for those, um, there wasn't really anything to play on those systems. Um, and now mm-hmm. we're slowly starting to get, you know, those exclusives come along for those systems, right? So maybe yes. that you're right. Maybe this is the idea of a soft launch at, at the end of this year. Um, ramp up production and then have really ramped things up and ready to go for next year when the big heavy hitter games that come out that do take advantage of the new hardware, you know. Uh, I mean, I can definitely see that that happen. Um, but I also do feel like Nintendo really doesn't, on, on the, I guess on the flip side, Nate, Nintendo doesn't really need to need to take that kind of risk, that gamble, you know, like they're sitting in a really good position right now where they can, basically call the shots when they feel like it. Um, So, you know, I do think it's interesting 
you know, to see how this will go. I don't think September is the date for this, the launch of this system. I think it's going to be later on. Um, I don't know when. Probably, <laughs> probably November. I would say, um, and and that's just me speculating. September just seems really, really aggressive to me. Um, and look, it goes back to the dev thing that I was mentioning at the start. Um, mm-hmm. you know, they announced this thing. Uh, they open up dev kits to developers. Developers do get dev kits. Fantastic. Are they now expected to get stuff ready to go before September? Because that is extremely aggressive. And I think, again, yeah. um, the timing around it, it's just, it's not, it doesn't feel right to me. Um, I do feel like it's probably going to be a little later than September before we actually get our hands on this hard, this retail hardware. Yeah, aside from the bigger developers who do have access to dev kits, if Nintendo, let's say, had just approached you on, on June 1st yep, and said, hey, we want Shantae with DLSS or we want, we want you to patch Shantae mm-hmm. to take advantage of the Switch Pro, here's these features. Real, realistically, yep. how many weeks or months would you need to patch it to take advantage of even just at a base level of the new features? Well, on paper, I don't think it would be that complicated. And I see mm-hmm. what you're getting at. It's probably something I could do fairly quickly. But one thing that we don't know about is, you know, how different the SDK is going to be. I, I expect right. it to be almost identical to the current one. But, you know, there is going to be some time that needs to be taken to to get get the code running on the new hardware. And then that code will then need to be submitted to certification to lot check, right? So, mm-hmm. um, look, I think it's doable. And I, I get what you're saying. You know, if Nintendo is telling devs, can you get 4K patches ready um, for existing games for launch, then I think that's that's probably something that could be done. But anything beyond that, you know, getting getting um, a new game out there or, you know, one thing that I think about is the dev company that's working on a Switch release that is targeting Q3 or Q4 of this year. Now, if they're being told there's, there's you know, new Switch hardware, they're going to want to take advantage of that hardware. But are they going to have the time to get their game targeting that hardware. Shantae is right. one thing because it's pretty, you know, the, the code base is pretty small and it's a very, very small game. But a AAA mm-hmm. game running, let's say, Unity or Unreal or, you know, some type of middleware, that would be a much larger proposition, I think, and and maybe not something that's feasible. Yeah, I mean, and that, yeah, that was my line of thinking of, you know, if I were a developer and I already had a big game, it will just use like Doom Eternal and they came June 1st, the panic button, and said, hey, can you get this performing better so we can get that patch ready for, let's say, September or October when the product launches? Mm-hmm. You know, how much time would they really need? Is that even, is that a workable time window? And if it is, you know, awesome, that's good. If you can get, you know, a title of that caliber taking advantage of the hardware, that definitely helps us from that marketing perspective. But it's also just that case of, or and it's the case with every single dev kit. The more time you give a developer with it, the better product you're going to get. And you know the titles I know about for 2022, they 
will definitely be taking advantage of the Switch Pro hardware in a meaningful way. Whereas I just don't know if we're going to see a big third-party project in 2021 really take advantage of this hardware. I'm sure Arceus is going to use the Switch Pro in a meaningful way, Breath of the Wild 2, those types of things. But like a 2D Metroid, let's say it comes out in September or October. The game's likely been completed now for yeah. a solid, at least it's probably been content complete now for <laughs> over six months, yep. if not more. Yep, I would agree. And it's been in that final polishing stage and such, which means even if the development team was giving Switch Pro dev kits, it's probably been a case of we're done with this game. We're ready to send it to certification. Yeah. It's just going to get a frame rate or a slight resolution boost if it wasn't running at those native frames and native resolution of the current Switch. So if it for some reason ran at 900p. Yep. Now it's 1080p. Yeah, I would I would treat this very similar to something like Ori on the Xbox, where it got the okay. got the 4K patch or the 120 FPS patch. Mm-hmm. You know, something that doesn't change the overall experience of the game because it's a fantastic game and it ran extremely well anyway. But you just get that that push, you know, to, with higher resolutions and 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 more frame rates and stuff like that. But overall, yes. not nothing really major, you know, in that regard. Right. So right now, I guess you'd say we're both in the consensus. Well, you're expecting a closer to a holiday launch. Yeah. I just don't see September happening. If they try to do worldwide, I could see September in a single region. I can't see September happening. Um, and that's just my gut. Again, I'm I'm just thinking about the dev side of this. It <laughs> seems a little little out there for me. But hey, if it does come out in in September, um, I'll be buying it day one, uh, of course, because you know I want I, I want the new hardware. And honestly, Nate, I'm I know we've talked about the Switch Pro probably for the last almost eighteen months on the show, um, you know, <laughs> off and on, of course. But I'll just be glad when this thing gets announced, you know, and we can move on. Yes. Honestly, it's been it's been one of those things where it's like. Hey, we know this is coming. We know this is coming. Nintendo's cooking up something and just now just announce it, Nintendo. Let's move on. Come on, please. Well, luckily, the end is in sight. It will take place before June, I guess, June 10th. That Friday, that's Friday, I believe. So it will take place before then. It's going to take place before E3. So, you know, less than two weeks until Nintendo will officially announce the Switch Pro. We'll get some some form of detail and we will see the first games taking advantage of Switch Pro at E3. So that's exciting. But we will talk more about that when we give our E3 predictions, which will drop the week of E3. So it's going to be in lead up to E3. We'll give predictions for Microsoft. We will also do predictions for Nintendo Each one will have its own episode. We'll also include some third-party thoughts for each of those platforms in those individual episodes, but those will air not next week, the following week, the second week of June. In lead-up to E3, we wanted to limit the gap between our predictions and the actual E3 presentations. We didn't want to do it too soon because a lot can happen in those two weeks because you've seen some people do predictions already for Nintendo, and look how quickly news can develop. Yeah. So that's why we wanted to take that wait and see approach. Let things develop. Let's see what companies may have already discussed ahead of time. 
because let's say if we would have done a square present a square predictions video two weeks ago and said oh dragon quest 12 well look it was at the dragon quest presentation so that prediction didn't age well <laughs> but yeah we'll have our e3 predictions coming up very soon and now we can go over some of the streamlab questions accumulated over the last couple of weeks and our first streamlab is a six dollar donation from nate's copy of animal crossing <laughs> right hello nate and mvg i was wondering if either of you have any info on what ken levine or ghost story games is up to these days ken has not given many speeches or interviews lately so he must be up to something I am not sure what Ken is up to these days, but hopefully he is crafting a new masterpiece of gaming. That's what I would like to think as well. He's he's in the lab, as as you would say. Yes. <laughs> we then had a $1 donation from Liam Werner, who writes, Do you guys think we will ever see Viva Pinata 3 or the first two games come to Switch? The series is criminally underrated, and was never given a fair chance. I've heard people speculate, perhaps Rare Replay, but since they are 360 games, I'm hesitant. Yes, if Viva Pinata 1 and 2 were to come to Switch, they would definitely have to approach it in a kind of creative way. They would actually have to, they would basically need to have a 360 emulator mm -hmm. working on the switch or they would have to do a full-on native port which would be more work yep um i wouldn't discount the possibility of viva pinata coming to switch because we do have a viva pinata on the ds and maybe we see viva pinata 3 one day but we know rare is busy with a brand new ip and they're still working very very diligently on sea of thieves We then had a $5 donation from Terror Tone. It writes, hi guys, thanks for the content. I'm an electronic music producer with 15 years of experience. Looking to get into production for games. Where do I begin? Open to work on spec. Um, I would say like anything out there, you have to really promote yourself. You know, mm -hmm. like rather than just applying for, um, you know, positions, which you're probably not going to even get an interview for. And that, that's not to suggest that your talents aren't, aren't good. I'm sure you are quite talented. But like anything in, in getting a job, it's not necessarily who you are. It's, it's who you know and, and the people you network with and all that stuff. So the best way to do it and just, you know, the way it worked for me was just to, you know, put my brand out there, put my name out there and, and I, I got, I got recognized. So what I would probably suggest you do is, and I don't know if you're already doing this, hopefully you are, is get, get yourself out on Twitter, um, post clips of your, of your audio work, uh, tag, you know, hashtag things like game dev or uh, game audio, just kind of the, the relevant tags. Um, and you know, hopefully you'll get some engagement and with that you'll you'll build a following of people and with that um you know you can start really advertising what you do so i i think that's probably the way that i would approach this um and of course you know apply for jobs as well while you're doing this as well you know you certainly don't want to not do that but um 
I, I would strongly recommend that you, you know, you basically create a brand or a name for yourself and, mm-hmm. and promote yourself that way. Yes. And I believe MySpace is actually pretty big with music and bands now. So even a MySpace page. Mm-hmm. We then had a dollar donation from Jackie G who writes, do you think we will see many more Xbox and Xbox 360 games added to the list of backwards compatible titles anytime soon? SSX Tricky is the dream. Yes, I believe Microsoft actually announced fairly recently that they are going to go back into the catalog of titles to add more titles to backwards compatibility. They simply had stalled their efforts because they had focused those development team and members on making sure the Xbox Series X launch was you know, the best they could have it. So I believe they are returning to the vault and looking through games to add to that service. Yep. I would expect to see more of those get announced throughout this year. We may even get a new dump of games at E3, but it's definitely something that um, Microsoft wants to continue on with. In fact, I will say that um, I've heard this from from numerous sources at, at Microsoft and Xbox I don't know what the titles are, but I do know there are more coming. And it's usually, you know, the delays usually have to do with licensing issues. They they, they want to bring as much as they can, but there are a lot of different waters to navigate when it comes to licensing some of these old games and bringing them back. It's Unfortunately, it's not an easy process. But yes, I would expect more games to, to arrive this year. One day, Jet Set Radio Future and Project Gotham will return. Oh, I hope so. And hopefully with the soundtracks <laughs> intact as well, right? We don't yes. want them yes. altered. That's right. It has to be that pure version. <laughs> then had a $10 donation from Matthew Hammond, who writes, if Nintendo finds a way to drop the original Switch to 179, Switch Lite to 99, when the Switch 2 is released, then 200 million is possible. Will Nintendo be the first console manufacturer to sell 100 million consoles without a price drop? Ooh. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it it seems like they're on track for it. Yeah, they're well on track for it. I believe they would be the first. The PlayStation 1 had numerous price drops. I believe the Wii had a price drop before it achieved the hundred million. Yep. PlayStation two definitely had a price oh, yeah, drop. Absolutely. PS four had the price, price drop. drop. Yep. I mean, yeah, if I really want to be, you know, semantical, I could argue that the switch light is a price drop, but I won't go that hard on it, but it's definitely, you know, if you really want to debate the topic, you could make that case. Maybe that's a topic one day. Mm-hmm. I like it. <laughs> then had a $5 donation from Loom Doom, who writes, Hey, Nate and MVG, if we are indeed getting a 2D Donkey Kong by the Odyssey team, I have a hard time envisioning what they could do that Retro hasn't already done. What would you like to see the team do with a 2D Donkey Kong? P.S. Thank you for all the hard work. Ooh. What would I want to see that team do with a 2D Donkey Kong? I mean, um, for me, and, and maybe, I, you know, maybe I'm not thinking about this right, but I'd love to see 
the first three Donkey Kong Country games on the Super NES get remade. Or at least Donkey Kong Country 2, which I think is is the best one. Yeah, Donkey Kong Country 2, Diddy's Conquest yep. is one of the finest 2D platformers ever made. But, I mean, you bring up a good point. Retro really did a fantastic job with their 2D Donkey Kongs, especially with Tropical Freeze. I don't know what you would be able to do any development team to really refine that formula any further. I'm sure there's new gameplay gimmicks you could add, but it would really be the question of, do you need to do that? And if you are coming up with a new gimmick, it better be awesome. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm really not sure what I would want to see from that team and how they would approach a 2d Donkey Kong that would really separate it from what retro did but if there's any team up to the task it would certainly be ead tokyo then had a five dollar donation from blue ink blot who writes with banjo and kazooie's overwhelming positive reception in smash brothers and the state of the crash and spyro remakes how likely do you think a banjo kazooie remake is within this console generation and who would be the best suited to develop it? Ooh, if I'm, man, if you're Microsoft and you want to have a full-on Banjo-Kazooie remake, I would give it to, man. I know everyone would say like Tim Schafer. Or Platonic or someone. Yeah, I mean those are the safe bets. Yeah, I would want to go. I want to take a gamble. Who did Super Lucky's Tale, or who did A Hat in Time? Oh yeah, um, I can't think of that development house. I'd probably hand that over to to, to them. They, they wouldn't be a bad pick. I mean, yeah, Platonic would be the natural one, just because you do you did have developers who worked on Banjo Kazooie create Platonic, but. Man, I would want to take a risk and be like the coalition. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so, someone a little out there, right? Uh, yeah, coalition like, would be cool. I mean, they're the masters of the Unreal Engine. Picture Banjo Kazooie Unreal Engine Five. I could, I could get behind that. Event <laughs> had a one dollar donation from Conga Bonga. He writes, "What do you guys think the future of Mario RPGs is?" The last new one we got was Paper Jam, and even that was bland outside of combat. With Alpha Dream gone, and Intelligent System having no interest in making a Paper Mario RPG, I'm not expecting much. Hope I'm wrong. Thanks. I don't think there's a future. Really? You don't think there's a future for Mario RPGs? I do not. Ooh, Pro- I think there's a future wrong. for it. Tell me I'm wrong. I think there's a future for it. And I think one day intelligent systems will say, let's do it. We want to make another RPG with Mario. One day. May not be in the immediate future, but one day. We then had a $10 donation from Lee Majors, 1975. He writes, do you believe the release of a Switch Pro creates opportunity for third-party ports to the Switch? Capcom seems willing to port their devices to any platform possible and a portable resident evil 8 would be glorious portable call of duty grand theft auto 5 could be transformative 
it will create some new opportunities. One of the Switch Pro exclusives I am aware of is coming to the platform because it could not run on the current Switch. So that would fit what you're saying. The Pro is opening up an opportunity to bring this title to the Switch platform. Titles like Call of Duty, it really just comes down to Activision. Activision could have brought Call of Duty to the current Switch. Activision just chose or decided that whatever the cost to do the port wasn't a worthwhile expenditure. Grand Theft Auto V, this was a title that was experimented and had intent to bring to the Switch. Unfortunately, there were numerous obstacles in the way, of which included game card cost. Remember, the Switch game card is quite pricey, and Grand Theft Auto V with the GTA Online is a fairly substantial-sized game. And I believe there are also some issues with the online aspect. Nintendo's online interface with the Switch system itself isn't really that well thought out. And with Grand Theft Auto Online, just with the microtransactions and everything in the game, I believe there were some technical obstacles that made this port very challenging. And ultimately, they just said, we're not doing it right now. Maybe they revisit it with the Pro. It would definitely be exciting to see Grand Theft Auto V come to the Switch since it's on every other platform that's released in the last, what, 15 years? Yep. Yeah, I mean, I think a company like Virtuos is rubbing their hands together at the prospect of getting getting this hardware. Because, I mean, a lot of these third parties kind of push the limits of what the Switch was capable of doing, you know, mm-hmm. and even Panic Button... They've they've done like stellar jobs on on pretty much everything that they've done, especially Doom twenty sixteen and and Doom Eternal. You know, absolutely amazing ports. But now with you know with new hardware at their disposal, they can really just push this stuff to the next level, and it's I think it's exciting. Yeah. And functionality like DLSS certainly can help them bridge a gap that otherwise would have been inaccessible. It's not a it's not like a panacea that's going to cure all things, yeah. but it will definitely help in certain regards. So the Switch Pro definitely gives a second wind to the Switch with the PlayStation 5 and Series X and Series S now taking development priority for a lot of development studios. We then had a dollar donation from Brian L. Conrad. Who writes, I can't believe I'm the I'm the one who made the connection. Breath of the Wild 2 will be a September November title, and it was announced on last direct with Age of Calamity DLC Wave 2. They had new ads like Short Haired Zelda, Ghost Handed Link, new abilities. There are no more skills. In OG Breath of the Wild. That's actually one of the, another reason I'm not anticipating Breath of the Wild 2 this year because Age of Calamity's final DLC pack comes out in November. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like a lot of Zelda. And I think you want to have Age of Calamity finished off before you introduce Breath of the Wild 2. This way, Age of Calamity had its natural cycle, it has all its DLC, the story is now concluded, then the pivot goes to Breath of the Wild 2, and that's why I still think early 2022. Then had a $3 donation from Alan. 
writes, as of today, there are rumors that a new Donkey Kong, Kirby, and Metroid game are close to being announced. They are all supposedly 2D. Why would Nintendo make this decision? Admittedly, a selfish question. Would think a 3D game not cater to more people? 3D games, in certain respects, don't cater to more people. A 3D game is definitely more exciting to a audience, but 2D games are more welcoming to a larger crowd. 3D games are still viewed as intimidating. 2D are typically viewed as more simplistic because you can't really get lost in a 2D game in the sense of, like you could play Hollow Knight and get lost, but you can typically find your way back to where you need and then figure out where you're supposed to go from there, depending on the structure of the game. I have friends who will only play 2D Mario games. They just prefer that design. The 3D Mario games are just too much for them and they feel overwhelmed. So that's kind of why Nintendo still goes to 2D games in certain cases is that there is a greater casual appeal for 2D games. Yeah. Plus budgets as well. I mean, yes, it's, it's a known fact that it's going to cost a lot less to make a 2D game than a 3D game. Mm-hmm. And titles like Kirby, those are like Nintendo. That Kirby is a consistent seller for Nintendo. They know exactly what it's going to do. They know they're going to get two to four million sales. So they they know what budget to assign it. Metroid, I mean, we're going to get a 3D Metroid with Metroid Prime 4. And Donkey Kong, it still seems as though the jury, jury's still out on if it's a 2D, 2.5D, or 3D Donkey Kong. Maybe we'll have the answer at E3. We then had a $115.21 donation from the Zelda Sensei, whom this episode is dedicated to. And they write, hey guys, having E3 back this year is the most hype part of the show, considering last year there wasn't one. It's great to see some return to normalcy. It's a hook shot, but I'm not ready to give up on a Breath of the Wild 2 appearance at the show. Uh, I don't want to say it's a hook shot. I think there's a pretty good chance Breath of the Wild 2 is at Nintendo's E3 show. If it's not there, we're going to have a lot of questions. Yeah, yeah. I I think it has to be there. If it's not there, then yes, there's going to be a lot of questions asked about, you know, <laughs> when when is this game actually coming out? Yeah, then it's definitely a matter of something happened during the development of this game. Yes, COVID definitely had impacts, but I think you would begin to see the conversation shift of early 2022 for Breath of the Wild, then all of a sudden they push to, are we looking at maybe a summer or a holiday game if it misses E3 this year? Yeah. I mean, honestly, Nate, if they show a new trailer and they have 2022 at the end of it, Mm -hmm. I think that's going to be enough. Yes. It will give people a general idea of when to anticipate it. They got a new trailer and that's, that's really all anyone's looking for is new footage to get excited about. They just don't want to see Nintendo take the stage again and say, welcome to our E3 show. Sorry, we don't have Breath of the Wild 2 for you again. We apologize. Hopefully in the future. It's like, no, you can't apologize twice in four months. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> then had a $5 donation from Mirage. He writes, Nintendo seems intent 
on steady releases of IP that are popular in Japan, like Splatoon, Fire Emblem, Xenoblade, yet most of their sales are from overseas. Is it short-sighted to only give an intermittent focus on IP that are more popular in the West? That's a good I mean, question. Nintendo, Nintendo approaches their IP very in a very deliberate manner. And... I mean, they definitely still view Japan as a key focus whenever it comes to any software, even hardware decisions. Japan is really the market and the focus group that they reference the most. Um, I mean, a lot of those titles do fairly well in the West as well. So I'm not sure. Then had a $10 donation from Matanume. It writes, what is your favorite mech-related game? Custom Robo? Steel Battalion? Some of my favorites are Gundam Battle Assault 2 for fighting and Gundam vs. Next Plus. What would you like to see in a game with awesome robots? Thank you for the good discussion. My favorite mech-based game is Zone of the Enders 2. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Um, I also like <laughs> Mech Assault as well. Oh, yeah. I like Mech Assault 2 um, on the OG Xbox. Pretty good. That was a pretty pretty great game. But yeah, Zone of the Enders it was an excellent mech game. Yeah, Zone of the Enders and Zone of the Enders 2 gave me that Gundam experience I wanted. I wanted a fast-moving mech and awesome, you know, close-range and long-range combat. The Gundam games are good. Steel Battalion was cool on the OG Xbox with a huge controller. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like a 128-button controller. Something crazy that like was, that, yeah. Yeah. Then they brought it to the Xbox 360 with the Connect controls. Oh, and it God. Was, it wasn't yeah. the same. Well, Mech Assault 2 was awesome on the original Xbox, and it had online multiplayer. Mm-hmm. It did. And, I mean, if you're looking for a new mech based game to play right now i believe mech warrior just hit the xbox and it's part of game pass that is correct i haven't checked it out yet but i'm planning on taking a look at it i think it's definitely something up my alley yeah i'm probably gonna give it a download check it out sometime in the next couple weeks then had a five dollar donation from jake writes hey nate and mvg recently i have been burned when buying a game on the xbox store only for the game to come out or only for the game to come to Game Pass the next month. How do you justify purchasing games on Xbox? Are there games on Xbox that you have no chance? Are there games on Xbox that have no chance of ever coming to Game Pass? Every game that comes to Xbox has a chance of going to Game Pass. Um, I don't think I've felt burned by buying anything on the Xbox. If I mean, if I want the game, I want the game. Game Pass, I just look as a complimentary service of allowing me access to games I may not have bought otherwise. But, I mean, every game can come to Game Pass at any moment. Microsoft is constantly making Game Pass deals. Yeah, I would I would agree. I mean, I don't feel, I haven't felt burnt by any purchase I've made. The last one I did was Resident Evil Village, which was, you know, a fine game. Um, arguably plays best on the Xbox. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, I use Game Pass as well. And in some cases, I will make a purchase on a game that I really like on Game Pass. And you know, right now, I would say I've never 
felt like buyer's remorse or any regret on a game that I've I've made a purchase on. We then had a $5 donation from J.B. Rye. Right. Hey, guys, I made it a goal to collect the 14 North American players choice games on the Super NES. I was a bit surprised to learn that the budget version of Tetris and Dr. Mario costs more than the original release. Have you guys ever had anything like this? I've heard stories about the um, the player's choice or the uh, whatever you call it version of a particular game costing more mainly due to low print runs and stuff like that. So it doesn't surprise me that that this is the case. Uh, I don't know the specific scenario that you're talking about, but I will say it doesn't surprise me. Like I, I have seen greatest hits versions or player's choice versions or, you know, um, the Nintendo GameCube games that have the the yellow um, spine, which I think is that the player's choice version of the game, you know, the greatest, whatever they call yes. it. Um in some cases, those versions actually cost more than the originals. I, I don't know why, but I think it has to do with scarcity and, and print runs. <laughs> then had a $5 donation from Daily Beating, who writes, As a lifelong Houston Astros fan, I will never forget Paul Canarco's <laughs> go-ahead Grand Slam in Game 2 of the 2005 World Series. Astros ended up getting swept. By the White Sox. Good old Paul Canerco. Hey, Paul Canerco hit a bomb on that. I think it was the first pitch. The pitcher just came out of the bullpen. And Paul Canerco just, boom. And it was such a big deal because Paul Canerco was not a first pitch swinging type of batter. So it was just like, I'm going to throw one over the plate. Bam. Like, I just gave up a grand slam. That's a shame. <laughs> Good old Paul Canerco. Providence native. And a White Sox legend. <laughs> then had a $25 donation from Zadia Quest, who writes, just for fun. When can we expect an update for the fabled Silent Hill built by MVG <laughs> in Game Builder Garage? Uh, well, I will tell you, I, I will be checking out Game Builder Garage when it comes out. Now, I, I'm not going to build Silent Hill because, I mean, I don't even know where to begin with that. But I will be checking out Game Builder Garage. Um, I think right now, even with the Switch Pro stuff, it's probably my most anticipated release for Nintendo at this time. So bring it on. I can't wait. Yeah, there's no reason for uh, MVG to waste his time building Silent Hill. Blooper team's busy on that. Then um, <laughs> had a $5 donation from Saikudo. He writes, hello, Nate and MVG. This question is directed towards Nate, not to come off as rude. But why do you get or seek insider information to hint at? You're not necessarily a game journalist for a site or a game developer. So how come you get all the scoop? Thanks. I don't really seek the information. I just, I know people in the industry because I was involved in the industry for a better part of over a decade. So it's a lot of friends and just relationships I've built over the years. And I, continue to make relationships in the industry uh, all the time with new friends. And believe me, 99% of the information I have, I do not share. I do not tease. I do not hint. I just sit on it. And I sit on it because the individuals who give me the information don't want it public. 
the only information I share is information I have approval of sharing or even teasing and implying. But a lot of it is just I have friends in the industry and sometimes they're excited about a project they're working on and they want to talk to someone that they know or trust. And that's how I get this type of information. It's really just years of connection and years of friendship. Then had a $1 donation from Ryan Kenny, who writes, love the podcast, always enjoy listening to your guys' insight in the game industry. What day do you expect Nintendo's E3 press conference to take place? MVG, what do you think? Well, Microsoft said they were going to go on the, was it the 13th? 13th. I'm going to say Nintendo, it's not going to be the 14th. I'm going to say the 15th. You will also be in agreement with the poll I put on the community page on Nate the Hate, where 50% of the community voted that they think Nintendo's E3 Direct or Press Conference will take place on Tuesday, June 15th. The second place finish was Friday, June 11th. So there seems to be some unity coming around Tuesday, June 15th. And I believe a lot of that reason is that Nintendo has traditionally hosted their E3 presentation on a Tuesday. So I think that's where that line of thinking is coming from. We then had a $5 donation from Blue Ink Blot. He writes, Mario Kart Tour has tons of tracks, carts, and characters. For example, roughly 50% of all carts and 25% of all tracks in Mario Kart history are in tour. Is Nintendo slowly amassing an HD ready asset library in anticipation for Mario Kart's next big game? An interesting line of thinking there. What do you think about the next Mario Kart? I think the next Mario Kart. Ooh. I know the Mario Kart team at Nintendo is busy on a brand new project, though I personally hope it's ARMS 2. I would not be surprised if we see of see some sort of kart game come from that development studio in the next 12 to 18 months, be it a new Mario Kart or a Nintendo Kart, something like that, though I will hold hope for new ARMS. Because I think ARMS is a fantastic game that deserves a sequel. One day, though. One day. And that is our final Streamlabs question for this week. If you'd like to support the channel, we have a Streamlabs link in our description below on YouTube. Make a donation of any value. Ask a question. We will answer it at the end of the episode. Donate $100 or more. We will dedicate the episode to you. And today's episode is dedicated, once again, to the Zelda Sensei. Thank you for your support and generosity. And I'd like to thank my co-host, MVG, for joining me as always. Always a pleasure, Nate. Thanks for having me on as always. And we will be back soon with a new episode. If the Switch Pro is announced this week, we will be back to discuss that. We will have E3 predictions next week for Microsoft and Nintendo. So that will be a two-episode week. 
and let us know your thoughts on the Bloomberg article and the possibility of a regional launch of the Switch in the comment section below. If you enjoyed the video, give the video a like. If you didn't, give it a dislike. Be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. Ring the notification bell so you are notified each time we have a brand new episode go live. And until next time, continue to embrace the hate.